Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. Please remember to subscribe, share, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Hello again, Louise. Hi, Sarah. We are on chapter four of Journey of the Adopted Self, A Quest for Wholeness. I want to just say, like I was reading this and, you know, this was published in 1994. So a lot of research has been done on infants since then. I also want to say it's that now that we're on into this world of adoption and like all the stuff I didn't know that I see, like, especially in particular on adoptee Twitter, just, I feel like I was in the dark for so long and I'm just discovering this. And yes. I feel like a baby. Now I feel like I don't know that I even fit in, in the adoptee Twitter world. Like <laughs> me neither. Anywhere. <laughs> we can't even fit in on adoptee Twitter. Please no. allow us to fit in. <laughs> yes, like, <laughs> we're just like newbies or something. But yeah, anyway, newbies. something jumped out at me right away, which is about birth being the great mystery that adoptees tried to solve in order to feel alive. And they speak of how they came to be rather than how they were born, Mm -hmm. which I hadn't thought about. Like, right. We don't know this. We don't have our birth story. How long were you in labor? You know, none of that stuff. Which becomes like a child's story sometimes with their parents and their kind of your birth story. We just kind of make them up where we're from. Yeah. I thought the same thing. And it's called the hidden relationship. And you were right as to why for the birth mother, you know, yes, the yes. hidden relationship that adoptees have with the birth mother. I thought it was interesting when she quote a lot of different psychologists and psychiatrists through this that have worked with adoptees throughout the years and kind of looking into adoption before people looked into adoption. So this guy, Daniel Stern, he believes that infants emerge have a sense of their self right after they're born and everything. But she asked, well, what if they have a sense in utero? Do they have a sense in utero? And then that part got to me, got super interesting. When does the self occur? Mm-hmm. And I took some notes on it. Cause I was fascinated. There was somebody who said about fetus research by Thomas Verney, that the secret life of the unborn child, that they do know who their mother is. They know their mm-hmm. mo- the taste of their mother's milk. They know if they're separated from their mother. And he was doing this research in like the 1940s. So to me, it's kind of fascinating because then we shut it down later. Yeah. Like people were actually doing this research much earlier and then they shut it down later. They shut it down. I thought this was also a great, in the beginning, an adoptee saying, when I meet adoptees, I feel like I'm meeting people who have no selves that their spirits flitting around, that they don't own their souls. Instead of saying what's on their mind, they say what is expected of them as if you could form a self just by pasting on images. It's so, again, you know, when you reflecting on your life, it's just incredible to me how we all have the same thoughts and feelings that just never verbalized or they're never verbalized at all. There's also that quote where she says, can you miss someone you've never met? That really hit me. Like, I think my whole childhood, I would think I was missing somebody or something that I could never put my finger on. And you and I have talked to so many people who have that feeling. Mm -hmm. I thought, can you miss someone you've never met? That's something that's the hidden relationship, right? Yeah. That she's talking about that. We have a hidden relationship that we don't know we have. So we go around like pasting ourselves, how you said onto other families, other relationships. And also something really hit me in this personally 
is that, and you had said this too, that the adoptee will bond with the mother, you know, especially a good adopted mother who's trying very hard to bond with her baby in the early years. And it really comes out in the middle school years, like between seven and 14, because the adoptee starts to become aware that they're adopted and what that means. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that that triggers. And that's when I started having a lot of my stuff. It wasn't in the early years. I had little things. Yeah, I didn't either. I was, of course, again, you know, like different situation. Yes. Triple abandonment in my case. So sometimes I do conflate, not know, but where, yeah. It's like she said, the middle years, like the adoptee will come out of it and be like, wait a second, I'm adopted and start having real problems with their adopted mom at that point, which is Uh painful to the adopted mom who thought they were really close. And I had some years like that where I was really hard on my mom and she didn't understand me. And that, okay, can be written off to a lot of other situations in adolescence and all that, but it felt different. Like, fighting against something you don't know what you're fighting against, mm-hmm. I guess, is the point of that. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, you'll like this one quote. Remember when she says, the baby is smart enough to leave before being left. Something yes. that adult adoptees are doing all the time in their yes. adult relationships. <laughs> I was like, I circled. <laughs> I try to do that now in all areas. You know, it's funny because really only my adopted friends or friends that had like I have a good friend that I am really close to and her dad left, you know, so she has abandonment issues in that sense. And she has different, like, I think your attachments have different manifestations, right? So her attachment is to get kind of needier, I guess. And I do the push away. Like I am going to leave before you hurt me. I'm going to definitely leave this relationship before you hurt me. And I think that's where adoptees really get into it, but don't leave me. I'm going to leave, but don't leave me. (laughs) It's weird because even though I would be aware of why I was doing it and even that I was doing it, I still couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. I would still find something wrong with the person, you know, even, even maybe even something shallow that I would, you know, (laughs) I don't know the difference between your and your, you know, (laughs) learn grammar, please. I'm out of here. Yeah. I was trying to do it to my husband last night. I'm like, well, I'm just going to leave. He's like, okay, here we go down this road. (laughs) He just gets like, okay, do you want a tea or something? I'm like, yeah, that's good. (laughs) God. Well, here's another thing she gets into. Did you like that part? I thought it was a little bit confusing at first about the real infant. Like, yes, that there's a real, how did that go? There was in a relationship when a mother has a child, there's an infant mother relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's this British psychologist in the 20s or 30s didn't feel like there's a mother and a child. That's the relationship, a mother-child intricate relationship. Right. Like there is no, the infant isn't separate. It's the mother and infant as one. Yes. And then if you're adopted, you have the mother-birth-mother, adopted-mother relationship. Yes. And a lot of kids, which you and I didn't have, but they were saying that, which I was surprised by this, most adopted kids back when this book was written used to go through foster care for at least a couple of months. I did. I was in foster care. I did. I was in foster care for five or six weeks. That's right. And I didn't have that, but lots of our guests have to. Yeah. I think I highlighted that about that, you know, that you have to losing that, the birth mother, then going into foster mother and getting used to that. And then finally the adopted mother and 
Yeah. And there's a whole thing where you'll never have that relationship again with the mother that you won't have that thing that's supposed to be pure, like in the animal world. This sounds ridiculous, but I was driving the other day and I saw this raccoon on the side of the road dead and the three babies were dead. So someone hit the mom and the babies. I was thinking, in what scenario did this? Of course, this totally upsets me beyond I call my husband. It's like a huge thing, right? To me, he's like, okay, this happens. And I'm like, yeah, but I was really happy that the babies died too, because they wouldn't have to figure out the world without the mom. But I was thinking they were right there with the mom. That's how they got hit, probably following the mom, circling around the mom, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And I was just, I don't know why it hit me because of this book. Everything hits me a lot harder. (laughs) I was like really upset about these raccoons. Doesn't she talk about an animal in here or am I confusing it with something else I read? I think it was previously she did. Or Or maybe maybe it was something else. Reckoning with the primal wound. Maybe talks some, about talk animals. about an animals. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, Nancy very um, relates a lot to the animals. And really, you know, we're the only animal species where people feel free to take our, except for domestic animals, but to take the babies away and give them to another human being. <laughs> I thought it was interesting too, that babies will learn to love whoever's going to feed and take care of them, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's just so and vulnerable. It's, it's such a vulnerable. I think about the babies. If you watch little babies now, do you do that? Do you see babies out now when I'm out and watching babies in a different way and what they're thinking and how I'm just now really waking up to it? You know, again, like I've said before, yeah, paid a lot of lip service to it and therapy over the years, but it really wasn't until this last year where it's like, wow, this was, it's affected my entire life because I was thinking about adopted parents lately and how are they feeling and what are the different scenarios in which adoption is still going on? And then she said that people were not hopelessly written off. So you don't have to write off adopt because from all this, you may think, geez, I'm never going there an adopted person. Right. So they're not hopelessly written off. It's more the adopted parents need to have empathy, that there's a loss, a real loss for this baby and not have fear about it. And it's all what we talk about with discussion. So babies will love who takes care of them. And can be really open if you have conversations that are open. That's why closed adoption can be so dangerous. And the secrets, that's, she really closed with the secrets in this again. It's all about keeping secrets from adoptees. Well, I'm, I'm really kind of heading into the realm of thinking there's absolutely no reason to adopt a baby in, yeah. in a selfless way, you know. I really am starting to get that, you know, that that is more about the, the adoptive parents needs and not the baby's needs. Well, of and there's course, so there's many kids there's in foster care that are older so than many homes. Right. And why aren't we helping find if half the time it's financial, if not more, why aren't yeah. we helping the mother stay with the baby to create a different society going forward? If we're going to pay money to others and the whole system to raise this baby. Yeah. That's the craziest thing. You know, I, it's kind of mind boggling. Like you said, I feel almost like a new person in this. Right. <laughs> Where have I been? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> we so want another, what do we have for the next chapter? The broken narrative will be chapter five. Wow. We're already on chapter five. This season is just flying past, isn't it? It's flying past. And we have a great guest today. He has yes. a lover. Yes. Very timely too. Very timely. Yes. Okay. We'll see you in a few minutes. See you in a few minutes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Louise and I talked about it for months and we were intimidated until we heard about Buzzsprout. 
Buzzsprout is hands down the best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Podcasting isn't hard. Believe me, if Louise and I could figure it out, anyone can. We got a mic, some headphones, parked ourselves in our closets, and that was it. Buzzsprout did the rest. You get a great looking podcast website and you can track all of your analytics to see how your podcast is doing. So if you follow the link in our show notes, it lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And bonus, you help support our show. Hi, I'm just going to break in here. As a friend of the podcast and a fellow Patreon, I want to join Louise and Sarah in thanking everyone who has reached out. Frankly, I've been astounded at the number of listeners from across the world who have shared their unique stories with our podcasters. I believe in the healing power of stories. As a Patreon, I've found such pleasure in supporting the podcast And in seeing how adoptees find their people, I know how much Louise and Sarah are moved by each Patreon support. Their immediate goal is to be able to air the podcast weekly rather than bi-weekly. Eventually, they would like to advocate for more effective ways of adopting children. If you would like to support this important work, either once or in an ongoing way, Simply go to patreon.com, then in the search bar, type adoption colon the making of me. Thank you all, each in your own way, for bringing us together. And now let's rejoin our hosts. Good morning. We're here for another awesome episode. And we are going to introduce our guest today. Her name is Trishina Russ, and she reached out to us on email after listening to our podcast and following us on Twitter. And she has a really interesting international adoption story. So I'll let you jump right in. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. My name is Trishina, and I was adopted from Sevastopol, Ukraine in about 1992. I was born in 91. I was about 18 months of age or so when I was adopted. So I was pretty, pretty young. I don't have really a recollection of it at all. I had a very, very normal, I guess, whatever normal, I don't know how you define normal, but I had a really like happy childhood. I was told from the very beginning, you know, that I was adopted. It was never really something that I thought about, you know, I just sort of took it as it was and My family was very like, how do you say, like, they just sort of took me in as their own. So I never felt growing up that it was weird until I got older and, you know, other people would ask like, oh, you know, you're adopted or, you know, once people would ask questions, then I more so considered it like, oh, maybe this isn't that normal. (laughs) So where were you for those 18 months? I was in an orphanage. I have trouble pronouncing it. But translated to English, it was like literally called the baby house. So I know that they house like infants to like toddlers, I would say till three years old. Yeah. So I was there. Do you have any like, any recollection of that at all? Like are there I ever don't. any? I have pictures. So my mom made like a photo book of her journey over there. 
And so there's all these photos of me in the orphanage. Like they have tables of all the little babies were like eating and there's pictures of like the ladies who took care of us. Like they are all holding me, you know, they're all, I don't know. So like, I would look at those even nowadays, sometimes I would bring it out to look and be like, do I remember this? No. So I don't, but my mom. And what were the circumstances in which your mom came to adopt you? Yeah. Yeah. So my mom grew up in Ohio and moved to Cleveland for her job. And so she was in her later thirties, I would say. And she just really wanted kids. Like she hadn't found her partner yet. And she was just like, I really want kids. And so she went through the adoption process through Cradle of Hope. And I think they're out of Washington, DC or Mm -hmm. Maryland. And so she went through that process and they actually, I can't remember completely, but I think, you know, you get a sponsor, somebody goes over there with you to translate for you. Like at that point, she couldn't even get into the country without a sponsor. And then when she went to get me, she also stayed with a family there. So, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And those people made, I think they made a lot of money doing that. Like my mom had mentioned that it was really good for them because if they housed families, they would get paid to have people live with them, especially during those times. But yeah, yeah that's so a little mom, bit sketchy for-profit <laughs> adoption business, <Yeah>. I guess. <laughs> well, I guess. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> and but does yeah. the, the baby house still exist now? It does. Yeah. I had found it. Well, I'll get into that, but no. Yeah. So it does. They just celebrated their 45 years of existing. Wow. So they are still there. And so you grew up in Cleveland then? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I grew up in Cleveland. I had mentioned to, I had, well, I mentioned this in the email, but I also have an adopted sister. And so she came here when I was in third grade, I was in third grade. I was like, I think eight or nine, maybe 10. And she came here at four. So my sister's also adopted, but from a different country. And she came here older. So she has some memories. But Um, yeah. Where was she adopted from? Moscow, Russia. Well, Mm. more like Vladimir, but Mm. from she was from a smaller city, but the orphanage she was at was in Vladimir, Russia. But yeah, it was interesting like growing up. And I would like, I remember telling kids, I was like, I'm getting a sister. She's coming here. I'm so excited. (laughs) And it really was cool. Like we're very, very close now. Definitely, you know, had the normal sibling issues when we were growing up, but we're really close now and we have a good relationship. So Um, she must have had a lot of memories from her orphanage. Yes. Yeah, she definitely does. Good and bad, you know, but yeah, um, I can imagine. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, well, I'm kind of, I don't know if I want to use the term grateful, but that I just don't have memories sometimes I think, Mm -hmm. but For us growing up, like I said, I think I maybe briefly said in the email, but it was really, I had a happy childhood, but I think as I got older, I struggled some just with, I think, identity and always wanting to know like who I am. I think always searching. And I do think that like kids go through that, like teenagers are like, who am I? You know, what am I going to be? But I always felt like, I felt kind of like an outsider to other people. And that's funny, listening to your podcast, so many other adoptees say this, but, and I don't want to use the term because I think everyone has said it, but it's like, I had so many different friends. Nobody was in the same group. And so Mm -hmm. whenever I tried to have like get togethers with people, nobody was friends. So it was always just like this random, like groupings of people who were all very different. So I feel like I just blended a lot and 
always kind of chameleon chameleon yeah that's the word and I was like I'm gonna try not to use it because everyone yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> I knew but, you were gonna um, say it. yeah and that's how I've always felt like I had a large tendency to people pleasing behaviors and I still struggle with it now like really trying to move through that but just overdoing everything because yeah. there's this like deep fear of like are they gonna like me I don't know but it's definitely better now but it was a struggle growing up it stays sure. a struggle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. People for pleasing, sure. Yeah. yeah. And so when did you decide, you know, to kind of delve into it more and search and what kind of came about from that? Yeah. So like I said, my mom told us from the beginning, like her story was kind of, I think how a lot of kids would say, like, I wanted a child. So I went to get you and they kind of give you the like, you're chosen, you're special, you know, which is really nice when you're growing up. Mm -hmm. But I do think it has an effect later in life. But anyway, yeah. So I was little and I did go through a phase of just being very curious and just being like, well, I want to talk to her. Who's my birth mother? I want to say hi, you know, just very innocent. And, and, you know, my mom was very like, that's something you can do when you're older. You know, I'm happy to talk about it with you, but I think that's something you should delve into when you're like 18 and up. And so I kind of just let it go. And then on and off in my 20s, I would search like randomly on Facebook or just Google her name or. Oh, so you I had her name? Yes. Yeah. So paperwork oh, oh, wise. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. I'm all over the place. But <laughs> no, no, um, you're paperwork not. wise, <laughs> paperwork wise, my mom gave me all the paperwork. So it's kind of really hard to read because it's all in Russian. And so mm-hmm. there's like some of the important documents you can see that they like translated them to English. So there's a few that are translated to English and it shows my mother's name, my birth father's name, and it has her birthday, her height. And this was like, I don't know if this was like a doctor's note or something, but it was like, the mother is light haired, light eyes, tall and slender. Like it says that it was so strange. And I didn't even know this until later looking back at my paperwork that I had her birthday and even at the time her address. But you also have to remember, too, that she maybe put a false address down. I found out later after contacting family that the name for my birth father that she had written in was not even the right name. So anyway, I searched on and off on Facebook every now and again, and then I just sort of let it go. Do you want me to keep going? And yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is really, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm glued um, to your story. So. Okay. I also think, I think it's also neat that you had the open conversation with your parent growing up with your mom. Yes, we did. Yeah. It's not something we like talk about all the time, but she always just wanted us to know. And I do think it's not something like with this whole experience, mm-hmm. she definitely doesn't want to be a part of it, but she's supportive, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. But anyhow, so like flash forward to now, this was like back in November of 2021. By the way, I'm in Cleveland right now because my husband's deployed. So I'm living here. I'm a nurse. I'm working here. So I'm at home with my family at 30, (laughs) but it's been good. But anyway, so my best friend lives close by. And so we went on a trip to New York for hiking, came back on a Sunday. And my mom was like, Hey, I got a newsletter from the adoption agency that you're from. And it was about a young boy who was adopted from Eastern Europe, living in the UK with his adopted family. And he used an app called Vintaktia, and I may not be pronouncing it correctly. People say VK for short, Mm. but to locate his birth family. 
And so my mom gave it to me and she was like, I don't know if this is any use to you, but check it out, see what it is. And so from there, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I didn't even like, I was so annoyed with myself because I'm like always so good at like finding things for my friends or like just being, a, you know, a really good stalker. And so <laughs> I, another um, common theme among adoptees. Yes. <laughs> and Stalkers <I> like, unite. <laughs> yes. Always like for real. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm a little crazy, but in a good way, but yeah, I was like, how did I not think that there wasn't like some social media that maybe like Russians use or like, I don't know. Anywho. So I get on the app, I create a username. And so I start typing in the name that I have for her and I will before I go on, so with Russian names, you have your first name, you have your patronymic name, mm. and your surname. And the middle name, the patronymic name, which is like the middle name, is mm. like the family name. So, for example, it could be like Natalia Petrovna, which is the daughter of Peter. If you're a boy, it would be Petrov, the son mm. of Peter. And then you just have your last name. And so, for the longest time, I was always just searching my mother's name, her name's Irina, but I would search her name, which is like every woman's name there. Right. <laughs> anyway, but it was Irina and then her father's last name. And so I kept just thinking that that was her last name. I was ignoring the Trishina oh. part, which is actually mm. like my first name's Trishina, but that's how my mom pronounces it. <laughs> so it's a funny oh, it's story. So, but, but your name is actually pronounced Trishina? Yes. But my mom was like, oh, Trishina, I'll call her Trish. <laughs> so we're Trishina here. But I, I like my name, but yeah. Anyway, well, at so, least she uh, kept your name. I think, that, yeah. Yes. So yeah, I searched it and I was like, I'm not finding this. Everybody's Irina. I don't know if I want to use her full name, but anyway, everybody's this name. And so I keep looking at the paperwork and I'm like, you know what? I was like, maybe I need to use this other last name. So I stopped using her patronymic name and just did the first and like the last name. And then all of these names come up. And also I want to say what's cool about VK is that you can really narrow down your search. You can do their name, their birthday, you oh. can do an age range, and you can do regions in the country. So that really helped. And so I messaged a few Irenas, and then I just sort of did a general statement and copy and pasted, like, I'm so-and-so, I was born this date, I was given up at this time, you know, are you perhaps this person? You know, thank you for your time. And so... You can, it's sort of like Facebook Messenger too. You can see if someone's read it or not. Mm. And so a few I would notice read it and then just like didn't respond. And so I kind of- And were like, you okay. writing it in Russian? Yes, I was translating everything. So okay. I would just use a little translator, yeah. copy, paste, and then translate it to English. <laughs> or no, translate it to Russian. Right. Sorry. Yeah, and so that adds things because things just sometimes come off a little weird too. Like if right, it, right. I had to double, like I translated it and then retranslated it back so I could read it as English. I was like, oh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, I messaged a few of them and I was just kind of like, I just don't feel like this is working. Like I'm just going by vibes here. Then I'm like, maybe there's mail. Like I'm like, well, I'll just start messaging males with like the last name, which would I was thinking more towards my mother's side. I was like, maybe there's an uncle or a cousin or somebody. Uh -huh. And so instead of doing Trishina, I was doing Trishine. So it would be T-R-I-S-H-I-N. And so I messaged like maybe six guys. And like, it's hard to say, because when you look at people and you're going down a list, everybody starts to maybe look like you. Like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And so... I messaged a few, some read it, but didn't answer. And then this one guy messages me 
And it's kind of funny. And he goes, you know, we share a name, but we don't share any heritage or we're not family. And so we went to messaging back and forth. And so he was the one who actually sent me the website to my orphanage, showing me that it was still there. And so we went back and we continued to talk. And I was like, well, I'm trying to find my birth mother. Like, do you know how I can do this? And so he was like, well, you have to have contacts with the police here. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know how to do, you know, I was like, well, that must be nice. Like, there's no way I can do that. And so he's like, well, I have contacts with the police. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. And so he was like, I need your mother's name, her birthday, her maiden name and her married name. I was like, well, I only have this. And I gave him that two days go by. And at this point, it was the day after Thanksgiving on a Friday morning. And all of a sudden I get a message from a woman who goes, hello, Ekaterina, this is so-and-so. I am your mother's cousin our mother and father, our brother and sister. She is alive. She's living with her parents wow. and we would be happy to communicate. And so I was like, so in shock. I immediately first messaged the guy to say, thank you. What? I know what a good guy, and, but this is where it gets crazy. Uh. He goes, what are you talking about? I haven't even talked to my police friends yet. And I was like, what do you mean? And then he was like, no, he's like, so you don't need my help anymore. I was like, no. And he's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, thank you anyway. I don't know. Anyway, what happened was there was a guy who I messaged who didn't answer me. Uh. He thought it was a joke. His wife saw the message and ended up sending it to the cousin saying like, is this true? Did Irina have a baby that she gave up for adoption? She's like, yes, it's her. It's Katya. Like that was my Russian name. And so the guy who I messaged was actually a second cousin. He just didn't even know that I existed. Oh so, my gosh. So it was, so I actually had messaged the correct person. He, he just, yeah. So it was kind of crazy. So from there, I messaged yes. with her a little bit and she just, she didn't tell me too much because she was like, I think she wanted to like allow Irina to message me herself. And so she was very like lovely and friendly. How old was Arena when she had you? By the time I was born, she was 19. Okay. So I think and when I was born, I was born in 91. And that was right when the Soviet Union. I was right. just going to uh, say that. Yeah. 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 So, so it must I mean, have been just so utter much. chaos. Yeah. It's interesting. But anyway, like maybe an hour or two later, Irina messaged me. And the funny part is, is she was actually one of the women who I messaged, but she she hadn't even been active. And then she didn't have a profile picture and then she put one on. So it was kind of funny. So I just didn't expect it to be her because I don't know, you see those, like, you know, if you're scrolling through Facebook, you see the people with no profile picture, like, well, they're probably not active. They may not even exist. So anyway, she did respond to me and this is like, I had to translate everything. But the conversation sort of went like, yes, it is me. You know, I'm who you're looking for. And she's like, I'm in shock right now. I don't really know where to start. And so I messaged back and I just sort of said, like, it's so good to meet you. Like, it's so, it's so strange. You know, I wanted to thank her. I wanted to just let her know I was okay, that I was like, you know, alive. Yeah. <laughs> and so she said after that, she asked me some questions like, are you married? Where do you live? She did say, I've always worried, like it's translated weird, but she kind of said, like, I've always worried where you were, but here you are around the world, you know, doing well or something like that. And so we messaged back and forth a little bit. And I was just so excited. And I don't think I took the time, like, to really think about how she might be processing it versus how I'm processing mm-hmm. it. 
And now after like reading and doing more introspection and thinking about how also the birth mother feels, I think I probably overdid it a little bit. So, you know, like as soon as she had asked me, she said, well, who's your mother? And so I sent pictures. I sent like me and my sister, my mother, me and my husband, you know, my animals. Like I was so overwhelmed and excited that I think I overwhelmed her. And so after I sent that, she just stopped responding. Uh And so a few days go by and I messaged a few times, like, hope you're doing okay. You know, I'd love to continue chatting, things like that. And then a few days would go by and I would message again. And then I messaged on her birthday on Christmas. So she's just not responding. <laughs> so I'm just oh. like continuing to message. Is, I was like, I'm she, an idiot. <laughs> has she read them? So yeah, she has read them. And then I'll go back and say also like during this period, I have talked with that cousin who right. messaged me initially. And then my great uncle, he talks with me all the time. He is my mother's uncle. So he is brothers with her dad. And out of her father, he is one of seven children and they all have children. So some of them have also reached out and said, hi. And have you gotten any information like about? Yeah. Yeah. So the one person that I talk to really often is my great uncle. And so he's always messaging me about history. He's the one. So throughout all of this, he is like, went to talk with Irina, wanted to know like, you know, you have a daughter, you should talk with her. And, you know, I kind of messaged him like, I appreciate what you're doing. And I, yeah. I know that you're trying to like bring us together, but I don't want you to overwhelm her more, you know? And so he would like go to her work. She works <laughs> at a furniture store and he would go there. And like, he took a picture of her while she like sat down and took the picture for him. But like, he'll go there. He would like, she would ask her, he's like, I want to take a picture of you and send it to her. And then, you know, and she would be like, you need to talk to her. And she's like, why don't you just explain it? So she's very like, mm you know, it's been 30 years. Like she's had to live her life. And I, and did what she, I gathered, did she have any other kids? No, she, she didn't, didn't have no more children. I don't know the situation. I guess she was married and he passed away a few years ago, but I have no understanding of what happened. I do know though, this is a cool part of the story, which kind of gives you like a little, I don't know, gave me some like peace in my heart a little bit, but so my uncle or my great uncle His mother, when Irina was pregnant, she, from what he explained, my great uncle knew that she was pregnant because he had reached out to her and had said, you can come stay in my apartment. I'm away right now. He served in the military. He's like, you can raise the baby there. You can stay in the apartment. And so that went on back and forth. So it clearly shows that there was like, you know, what do I do? I do think her parents were involved in the decision and Later on, after I was relinquished or whatever, given up, my uncle's mother found out after I was already in there and Uh. she went down there to go get me because Mm. she's like, I'm going to take care of her. You know, why did you know they were bringing her back in the family? Yeah. Yeah. And then by the time she went, I was already, my mom was coming to get me. So they can't take it back once you've relinquished, once you've signed off and given up your rights, you can't. That is a messed up thing. That, that should be <laughs> immediately. Crazy. I mean, it really is. I mean, yeah, that's a sliding door situation too. But wow. also it's just, it's a really ethical mm. problem. I mean, if the birth family is coming and saying, we want this baby too mm-hmm. late, we've already signed papers. Well, that those papers mm-hmm. should be null. And I mean, just 
that's a reform that should happen. I think it's the same thing here. They have a week. I think the birth mother has one week week or something, which is also Ah, messed up. I mean, one week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, One week. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Was it more that she was young? That's what I gather. Again, like it's nice to talk with someone and sort of get this secondhand information, but you know, ideally I'd love to hear it from her. Do they know who your biological father is? Yeah. He asked her and she gave him a name and she said, yes, but you know, I don't, I don't communicate. He was a pilot. And then he like, she said he was a pilot and he left and went back to the mainland, whatever the mainland is. I don't know if they met Russia or Ukraine. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, so I have his name. I've tried to search him a little bit, but I'm like, there's literally nothing I can go off of based of like, I I messaged one guy who literally was a pilot and his name was Igor, <laughs> which is my father's name. So I was like, are you my father? You're, he was a pilot. I don't know. But it's hard to do it with internationally, but. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but it's really what cool about, that this um, app exists. So. Is there any DNA company that works with Russia? I looked at this the other day, actually, and I want to say maybe Ancestry does. Like, I do believe so. And I want to try it just to see. But I don't know if a lot of Russians do it. That's the only thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so, the second part of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, it's been, you know, really good. I'm, I'm very happy to know some of my family. Obviously, I would love to talk to my mother, but. Well, she, um, you know, been, she, it's only been a couple months, right? So she could. Yeah. She yeah. could still come around. Sometimes it takes Some a bit to time. process and feel and like figure out. Yeah, for sure. I, it just, she's probably going through her own grieving process in some way. So, you know, it yeah. probably kicked up the grief again yeah. and we yeah. probably have not heard the last of her. I would be really yeah. surprised if that's it, you know? Yeah. But even if it is like, I have to be able to accept that, Yeah, that she just can't get there. And that's like, okay, you know? Did the second cousin, do you keep up with the second cousin who tried to help you? That's crazy. He's actually related to you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So he's actually messaged me a little bit. He's only in his thirties and he's also, so he's connected to me because again, like I said, my grandfather is related to my great uncle and then there's seven of them. And so that second cousin is one of the sons of those people. Yeah. So I mean, I talked with him a little bit. He's like, I thought this was a joke initially. He's like, I can't believe it. So yeah, everybody's been very kind. Like my family's very sweet. And you probably have um, a lot was, of cousins with the seven. Yes. My, my biological father is one of seven sons. So I know there's a lot of cousins out there. Totally. I mean, that's just, yeah. That's, and they're all over. There's people in Germany. There's, I, wow. I always thought too, I was like, oh, I'm Ukrainian, but Sevastopol, the Crimea is like 70% Russian. Like a lot of the people from Russia came down to there. Mm. So I'm like much more Russian than I thought I was Ukrainian. But do you have any desire to go? And that's what I was wondering. I want to, it's but a, right now it's a total shit. Right, right yeah. now is not gonna, yeah, not a yeah. good time. And my, yeah, it's not. And I'm like, this is so weird that this is all happening right now too. I'm like, I found them when all this chaos is going when, on and my, right like my husband's now. over there. I'm like, it's just weird. Your husband's in Romania, you said, right? Yeah, he is. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of... Have you shared this journey with your sister, by the way? Yeah, I have. And she's been really supportive. I've tried to search a little bit for her. It's a Did little she bit get the app too? She hasn't downloaded it yet, no. But she's like given me some of her stuff to do for her. <laughs> <laughs> so I've tried to message some people, but I'm not really getting a response back. There's actually a woman at my work 
who her husband's from the town my sister's from. So Ah. I might try to pick her brain, but she's a PRN worker. So I rarely see her. So I'm like waiting for her to show up (laughs) so I can talk with her. Wow. Why is it more difficult in your sister's case? Well, for some reason, it's like the paperwork that I have is way more detailed than what Mm. my sister has. They just don't have like my, her mother's birthday, like just random different intake, maybe. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing too, is that the paperwork I have, it's like her birthday's handwritten on there. So it's like very bizarre. It's not really like, it didn't seem official, but I mean, it it was it, but yeah. Maybe official for what was going on at the time. (laughs) I don't know. Wow. It's it's crazy. So you and your sister are actually both Russian, which is interesting Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that was the time period in which like the orphanages were just flooded because of the political chaos and the unraveling of mm-hmm. the Soviet Union and yes, you know, just chaos and people yeah. didn't, you know, Absolutely. know how weren't able to care for their kids. And interesting yeah. that Absolutely. now the chaos of your birth and now this chaos that's going on there now. Yes. As as you've very, been doing your search. It's very yeah. interesting. Kind of it's like, yeah, and I feel like too it's really interesting to hear my family's perspective on it too. It's just very different. Oh, I'm sure. We're we're all fed propaganda. Yeah. yeah, I mean like, and they are too, but so exactly. Yeah. We're really no better when you really look. No, we are not. No. So it's quite interesting, but I was going to read something from the relating to the birth mother. It's from the book that we're reading. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was really, I thought it really spoke to like what I think birth mothers feel, which I wanted to read it, but only Please if you do. guys want to hear it. Yes, no, we would love to hear it. Okay. So it's on page 147, but it says, they will learn that the mother who left them behind has done her own kind of splitting to survive. Her response will be influenced by how she dealt with the shame and humiliation of her pregnancy, the pain of losing the innocence of youth, her feelings about the father and the trauma of giving up her child. And it says it will also be influenced by how much denial she has done for emotional survival, the secret she has kept, the guilt she has felt and the new life she has made. So after reading that, I felt that was like so helpful just in like, you know, because I think initially it was kind of like really trying not to be hurt, but I yeah. kind of was, you of know, course. I was like, yeah, of course. you know, but, I think and, and really there's helps. a, I'm sensing, you know, when you put yourself out there and then you're, mm-hmm. you get a wall kind mm-hmm. of, you mm-hmm. feel a bit of shame, yes. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, sure. you know, which is shame, but I don't know about you, but yeah. as an adoptee, this unconscious shame that I've carried around my whole life, you know, of, Absolutely. And do you ever, both of you feel like it was, you were like, I don't even know why I have this. I don't really have a reason to have it, Mm -hmm. but I do. Yes. I totally can relate to that. The guilt. It's like you you go around guilty. I was guilty my whole life of everything without being guilty. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, and I wanted to add too, because going back to the shame too, is I think I maybe mentioned this, but growing up, like I struggled with a really bad eating disorder Mm. and I went to therapists, you know, I've been in and out of therapy, like throughout my life, like, you know, just, yeah, we all have, but, and they all knew I was adopted, but nobody brought it up. Right. Sarah and I talk about this all the time. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're adopted, check, move on. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was a kid, 
when this all became an issue with the eating, it was kind of like, I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I don't even know why I hate myself so much. I couldn't mm-hmm. really come up with a good reason or why. I don't know. I'm sure it probably goes into like people pleasing mentality, wanting to be mm-hmm. good enough. All of the things. It's quite common. I mean, all of this is yeah. really common and but. not talked about. We're hoping, Sarah and I talk about this all the time, that therapists now are trained differently to address this. And it seems, yeah, absolutely. The conversations mm-hmm. help, right? Because mm-hmm. if, then they're like, oh, I need to ask more. Mm-hmm. I had a therapist ask me about it a ton and then never come back to it. Then I start thinking, mm-hmm. oh, and then I'd, and then that was that. It was like, okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, no, this for could sure. Be a puzzle piece. Because <laughs> yeah. they're, you know, maybe not, they're not trained in it. No. You know, and I wonder how mixed up and convoluted, you know, I saw this Twitter thread the other day about where did the secrecy, from adoption mm-hmm. start and they traced it back to Georgia Tan basically uh-huh. again was oh, the wow. beginning of keeping these adoptions secret. And I wonder if it kind of filtered into even when you're training as a therapist and just that makes keep sense. the system intact. I don't know. Systematical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's like, I think you have to think too, like there's just when you're growing up and people find it's interesting, like you said, like when people find out you're adopted, I always notice that the older generations, they'd be like, Oh, <laughs> like they're like, sad for you. <laughs> like, they're like, Oh, that's sweet. Like, and then people more like, I don't know, people my age or even like my mom's age, you know, they're more like, Oh, that's wonderful. You know, they're just more open to it. They think it's, I mean, everybody has obviously different opinions. Yeah. I mean, I love my family. Like they're wonderful. My mom's my best friend. Like she is like our biggest supporter. I mean, like she truly lived and breathed us. I mean, she's still here, but she's just. How is she with this whole thing with you finding your biological mom? Because you've had some letdowns from that. How did that play out? Well, she was the one who gave me the newsletter. She wanted me to to do something with it or don't, but she just doesn't really want to want to be a part of it. She's like, she wanted to see the picture of her, but that's kind of it. That's kind so of I think it. she's a little sensitive to it and it's fine. You know, that's, I think there's really not much more I can ask from her. You know, we've talked about it a little bit about her not responding to me, but again, we have totally different perspectives, you know, oh. you know, she has a biological family. She can look back and know mm-hmm. that she's blood related to these people. And, yes. you know, so it's, we don't talk about it too much. <laughs> I'm curious if you'll, yeah. if you'll go on and keep looking for your biological father, cause that could be an interesting yeah, if you I, find I want him. To, yeah. But also too, I think there's this fear that like it's not to say it's any easier, but my mother didn't have any other children. So I don't have any of this stress that I'm like, oh right. Am I infringing on her family? Am I yes. you know, messing something up? You know, that's like my natural feeling, even though it is my right to know. Listen, I've had the same feeling yeah. for like 25 years. I haven't done it in my biological family father's side has a whole family. Yeah. And I haven't delved into that for that very reason on his yeah. side, because my biological mom had no other children. So it was very clean in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it I, feels very clean. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, maybe it would be a neat thing for him. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely am interested, but I also am a little nervous because I just course. feel like he's probably moved on. He probably has a family. I think I do carry some negative feelings towards him too, maybe. <laughs> did he, not, not did like he know? A- way. It's just. I I have no idea. And those are things I'd obviously love to ask my birth mother. 
But you know, part of me, I have that feeling of like, well, you just ran off and now look what That's she had That's how I've with. had that too. Yeah. You know, you can't kind of left them in the lurch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, all of this was going on in the world and she had to suffer really. Mm-hmm. So not, it's not, it's nobody's fault. I mean, it's just the way it went, but. I try to look at yeah. it because Sarah and I have grown sons in their twenties. And so we're, mm-hmm. I try to look at their age and the maturity level of this, you know, cause being a boy and if they had gotten someone pregnant. So I, I try to put myself back. Cause I used to have those feelings too, but then I think, you know, this kid was 20. Yeah, and exactly. Mm-hmm. What was he doing in my situation? So, mm-hmm. you know, no, it's true. Like I'm 30 now. And when I was 20, like I was still, <laughs> I was acting like a child. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I thought I was an adult and I was, but I just of course couldn't yeah. have handled what I'm doing this now. I could not have dealt with it in the right way. I don't think in my t- early twenties. No. So it's, I've I think you're, been, you're I doing great peace. in your thirties. It took me till now. So <laughs> yeah, well, eh, okay. <laughs> you are. <laughs> we love hearing the story. It's really brave of you to come on and tell us about all of this really. Yeah. And will you keep in touch with us and let us know what happens w- when you hear from her? Yeah, I'm really. Feel you when, will. Yeah, when. and if yeah. you find your birth father, and also curious about your sister, so there's lots of follow up. Yes. we definitely sure. want from you, definitely. And if um, you're, was, and how your husband does through this whole thing too, with his safety, like fill oh, us of in. course. Yeah, he's doing okay. He's not feeling so good today. I don't know why, but he's just feeling kind of under the weather. But, but yeah, no, it's a pleasure to talk with you all. And I really just also I wanted to. Let other international adoptees know if they're interested, especially if you're Eastern European, Mm. VK is a huge Russian social media app. It's like their version of Facebook. So if you want to try to search for your birth parent, it has some potential. (laughs) That's super helpful. We we do have some listeners too. We've had some listeners in Russia. So cool. You never know how these tentacles will spread out and reach somebody. So right. it's, it's good to make that shout out. So yeah, for sure. And, and just it, we could put it in our liner notes. Yes, too. that's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, that'd be really yeah, cool. Send us that information and we'll we'll put it in the episode notes. Cool. For yeah, that. it is Absolutely. it is helpful because we hear back from people after episodes that that episode helped them. Someone gets helped by mm-hmm. everybody's episode in a different mm-hmm. way. And there is yeah, somebody absolutely. that's going to listen to this and go, oh, you know, you're going to strike a chord. Trust me. So, uh, yeah, well, you guys are striking everybody's chords. You guys are <laughs> doing a really cool thing. Thanks so much. Really, we love yeah. it. It's just, it's our, it's our passion and purpose. So yeah, yes, totally. Aww. Well, hang in there with everything, you know, yeah, Thank you. really yeah, honestly reach out. Posted. Yeah, do For and sure. reach out at any time. Love to hear sure. from you. For sure. Yeah, otherwise you'll yeah, be yeah, hearing from us. We'll keep yeah. going. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I will definitely, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted for okay. now. I'm just checking it, the message every day, just to see if it's been read like a, oh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> so sometimes I just laugh. I'm like, this is, uh, what are you going to do? But it's okay. I'm dealing with it pretty well. So it's a weird I thing. A, I oh, have God. a similar personality. <laughs> I call mine an obsessive personality. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm so obsessive. Like my, Me too. really. yeah. My husband was like, Trish, stop messaging her. You're scaring her. I'm like, I just want to just say hi. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm the opposite. Like, I'll go in the avoidance thing. Like I have some ancestry things I put out and then I don't hear back. So I just avoid ancestry for a long time. I'm not going to look at it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to be that way though, by the way, because my husband made a comment. He was like, Trish, maybe she's doing what you did. He's like, when you first uh, went on a date with me, you didn't answer me for yeah. weeks, you know, like, I don't know, but he's like, I tended to like, I would avoid my grades growing up. I would yes, not look at my too. grades. Me too. I would not. And I was a very like average student, like could have done better than I did. Cause I didn't try at all. But yeah, yeah, you know, that's I would never look at my grades. Yeah, I think that's also a pathology too of not Mm -hmm. trying because if you don't try, then you're not going to be disappointed and you Mm -hmm. don't exactly constant. And oh, one other thing, sorry. And then what I thought was funny in terms of like another person said this on your podcast picking unavailable men. Mm -hmm. I always would find myself interested. It was was probably me. (laughs) I was like, because I would always be interested in guys who like live far away or Uh like a guy who like I knew was not really available or, I mean, I love my husband to death, but he's in the army and he's always away. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I can, we handle it fine, but I'm just like kind of funny. My, uh, (laughs) my marriage counselor once told me that my ex-husband and I chose each other because we were perfectly unavailable together. So it's like, that's you know, my, ex. that's what you're saying with my ex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had <laughs> suffocation issues. He had suffocation <laughs> issues and I had abandonment <laughs> issues. It was not a good match. It's not a good yeah. match. Yeah. No. <laughs> this is a lifelong journey for that, by the way. So. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Your husband sure. sounds really neat. And please tell him, you know, thank you for yeah, serving for, sure. for us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Well, thank Alrighty. you for this. It's been wonderful. Great way to start oh, yeah, our morning. Course. Yes, of course. Of course, you guys. Thank you guys so much for your time. And okay. I'll keep Thanks you posted. For yours. And we'll, yes, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. 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 Bye. Right. Bye. Wow. Well, that was really neat having her on the show. I'm so glad she wrote us. Yeah, she's very. I related a lot to her. She kind of reminds me of myself mm. in a way, and lots of yeah. similar. Fe- well, we all have similar feelings, but uh, some, you know, very different degrees. That. Yes. And I like how poised she is and just, she's just, I don't know, honest. And there's something really raw about her. Like I want Very to elegant climb, climb and, through and hug her. Yeah. That's how I felt. <laughs> elegant and thoughtful and deep, yeah. you know? Yeah. A really deep person. And I think just her journey. I mean, I think about little babies in the orphanages and, I know. and coming over. I mean, just, I think about these little kids and the ones who weren't adopted and what happened to them. And, you know, mm-hmm. I start really going down that hole while she's talking about and what her sister went through. It's a lot. It is. It's a lot. It's an intense. Yeah. And it also really, you know, it just highlights the need for reform because the birth family coming back and saying, you know, we want, we want her. And they're like, Oh, too late. The papers were signed. It wasn't like she was already off in America. Yeah, she's still it's there. just that she was still there. And I find that I don't know. That needs some reform. Yeah. It struck a chord for sure. Giving a birth mother in America one week to. Yeah. This is a your mind. Process. It's just not enough. Yeah. So we've heard heartbreaking stories about that. So, yeah. So. Well, what do we say? We say it was another great episode. <laughs> it sure was. See you next yeah. time. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the Making of Me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption 
colon, the making of me. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>